Coming up, we're kicking it old school tonight. We got just me and Caden. So just the way the show started, we haven't done one with just the two of us in a while, so we're looking forward to it. So here's what we're going to have on tonight's pod. We got our two early NFL awards. We're doing our weekly pick six. We're going to talk about the red-hot Chicago Bulls. And then I'm going to close with a farewell to HBO's Real Sports. So it's the sports life. We're talking sports. Let's go. All right. So to start us off, the media's thing recently has been, you know, going through the different NFL awards, talking about who's going to win them, mainly talking about the MVP. So that's really why I came up with this too early NFL award segment to the show here. And really, we're going to also give our early picks for Coach of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and Comeback Player of the Year. So starting off with the MVP, Caden, did you want to give your name? Who do you think Who do you think tops the list right now? Obviously, this can change. There's three games left. Again, we're going to give our early picks just to see how this shakes out over the finishing weeks of the season here. What do you got, Caden? MVP. Um, You know, I think right now... Um, no, I, I think partially it's too soon to, um, choose because there's it's still three. It's our two early awards. That's what this I, is. I, I know. <laughs> um, but right now early. I kind of, I kind of feel like it's going to be Christian McCaffrey, but I don't remember the last time running back won the MVP. It, it just kind of, it just kind of seems like it's usually a, a wide receiver or quarterback. So, I mean, it's going to end up going to have to be Mahomes because he's clutch in the last two, three weeks. Um, but right now, if I had to uh, choose, I'm going to have to go with uh, Chris McCaffrey. I mean, he's just playing the best, playing the best consistently. So, it's not, it's not a bad call. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, if you've watched the NFL at all this year, the guy seems like he scores a touchdown in every single game that he plays in. He's been fantastic on a team of really talented players. He's not my pick for MVP. Um, I do th- agree with Caden. It's a quarterback-centric award. Um, that's why they created some other categories like Offensive Player of the Year. A perfect example is last year, I think Jefferson won Offensive Player of the Year when Mahomes took down the MVP. I really liked um, I really liked Hurts last year for the MVP. And unfortunately, you know, it ended up going to Mahomes. I just thought that Hurts had a special year. This year, and Caden, you got to be ready for me because I'm going to be asking you some questions here because my, my pick for the MVP right now is Lamar Jackson. And it's not number-centric. I'm looking at it from the standpoint of I'm going to give you – here's a test for you. I'm going to give you 10 seconds to name three players on the Ravens that aren't injured right now. Uh, not, in, not including Lamar Jackson. What you – No, I just not including Lamar Jackson. I want three players. I'm giving you time right now. Uh, what do you got? Roquan Smith. Um – um, um, that running Gus Edwards hurt. and Justice Hill. <laughs> I think both backs are hurt. No, nope. Hill, Hill may not be. So you got a couple. So Gus Edwards is not hurt. He is. Yes, he is because that's why the rookie was in last week and he got hurt. Okay. Gus Edwards uh, okay. Was in front. I know Devin we're Duvernay. like 15 seconds into this right now. So Devin that kind of gives Caden makes my point for me right there, which I thought he might. Which is Lamar Jackson is doing a lot with a little. And when you go over to the MVP chatter about somebody like Purdy, who's probably the sixth, seventh, or eighth best player on his team, um, when you start getting into, they got that Trent Williams, they got Bosa, they got McCaffrey, they got Ayuk, they got Debo, um, they got Warner, 
I mean, these guys are absolutely loaded, and I just think for that reason is why Purdy, to me, is not the MVP of the league. It's a guy like Jackson that has his team uh, at the top of the AFC. You can't really name many other players on his team, especially ones that are not hurt, because you got guys like Andrews down, Edwards down. There's a lot of guys hurt on that team right now. And when I really got to see him against, I think it was, they were playing Jacksonville last week, just watching the plays that Lamar is able to keep alive, the things he's able to do on the field, he's throwing the ball very well now. I think he's on pace to be the first quarterback to throw for over, I think, 3,700 yards and run for 900 plus, something like that. Lamar's having a fantastic year. He's, he's actually kind of underrated because he because he does a lot of special things on the field. Well, yeah, he's my that, pick for um, MVP. Yeah, with that, I, with that uh, spectacular year he had with uh, 2019, I think it was, and then that he kind of, it just kind of seemed like the uh, 2020 and 2021 years, it was kind of down. It was way more consistent in 2019, but now this is kind of the redemption year. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's played great. He's played great. He just hasn't played at MVP level since 2019 consistently, but this has been the first year we've really seen the great Lamar Jackson again. I agree. So that, that's my pick there. We'll see what happens. Again, I'm, I'm not a big, I'm not a Dak guy for MVP. I think Dak's had a great year. I think Dallas has had a gravy schedule. Um, you saw what happened last week. When Dallas ran into Buffalo, Buffalo was hitting hard. They got him down, and Dallas couldn't get back into that game. So I, I don't want to be a Dallas hater too much, but at the end of the day, uh, Dak for MVP, he's down, he's up there. He's probably in the top five. But for me right now, I'm going with Lamar. The voters may not agree with me. That's my call. Caden likes Mahomes. I, I like Mahomes is always a good prediction pick, right? Because he can step up big late in the year. The league loves him, and, and he could, yeah, exactly. And I think that after the the arguing that they were having with the officials, <laughs> all the all the back and forth chatter, I don't think that you're going to see many bad calls go against the Chiefs rest of the way out. So, Caden, next category. Coach of the year. Have you thought about this at all? I've thought of mine a little bit. I um, went through the different teams. I'm going to go with Matt Eberflus. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with the Browns guy. Um, Stefanski? Yeah. Is that the Browns coach? Yeah. Yeah, he's had a good year. Uh, the Browns. I mean, three quarterbacks. And they're still finding ways to win. And and what Joe Flacco's doing, you got to give the guy credit. I mean, Joe Flacco threw a couple balls. In that Bears game, he threw a couple seeds that like you just yeah, wouldn't it's expect. It's really amazing how, especially really good against a really good defense like the Bears, that he threw three picks and he's still confident throwing down the field. As a guy like Fields, I don't think he has that confidence. But Flacco, he really does. I think that veteran uh, thing in his body that really it really shows that he can still throw the ball with confidence even though he threw three interceptions. My coach of the year, I think that's a good one. I like that Cleveland call. My coach of the year is Dan Campbell for the Lions. I mean, when you watch the Lions, they're up and down. I don't know that they compare with the top teams in the league, but I like the way Campbell coaches. I think he gets the most out of his players. I think he was, um, you know, the, the Lions really had a strong finish last year. This is Campbell's year. If the Lions can finish strong here, I think their schedule is a little bit mixed to finish the year, but they can easily finish uh, like 12 and 5. That's a big year for them. They'll win their division. I like Campbell for coach of the year. So we'll, we'll see what happens. 
Last year, I think that went to Dayball, didn't it? The Giants coach. Uh, Giants kind of had an overperforming yeah. type of season. Next category. This one's an easy one. I'll throw mine out because Caden already mentioned this guy. Offensive player of the year, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, that's to me, that's a no-brainer. I can't see that hurts, going. No, it won't be Hurts. Hurts has had a down last few games here, and he, he doesn't look right. It looks like something's going on with him. I think the knees bother him. He just he don't look the same. He's still playing decent, but Hurts kind of worked his way out of this conversation over the last three weeks. But Offensive Player of the Year, this is, this is tailor-made for McCaffrey, a guy that's doing everything, a guy that's catching the ball out of the backfield, and he, he just runs hard. This is a kid that, you know, he wants to plow guys over, and he's hard to take down. And, and Debo's the same way on San Francisco, but I think he leads the way in this category. You have anybody else, Caden, that you think might, um, you know, might qualify here, Offensive um, Player of the Year? You know, a couple guys that are underrated. I like really like CeeDee Lamb. You know, Lamb's really made a difference. I mean, you're talking about guys. I mean, yeah, I like McCaffrey. You're talking about guys like Brock Purdy. He's in the MVP conversations because he has weapons around him. He's got a lot of, you know, he has the running game behind him that he knows if he's not exactly great, he's still got the running game. He's got a bunch of big-time wide receivers. Um, it's like I said, but Chris McCaffrey, he just makes Brock Purdy's life um so much easier so yeah he's more likely gonna win especially the way that he's really carrying even when Purdy's having off games he's really finding ways to carry this offense and he's he's really tough I mean he he's not afraid to take kits and if it's 100 degrees or negative degrees he's not afraid to um uh, build his shoulder down and take a hit and that's one thing that's really impressive for him as he's just another top guy in this category is Tyreek Hill. I mean, Tyreek, I know Tyreek has been, uh, he, he tweaked an ankle and he, you know, he hasn't been as effective. And I think he sat out this last week. So that's going to affect him being able to get the 2000 yards, but that guy's the ultimate equalizer in a game. He can't be covered. You know, he deserves to be mentioned here because let's say McCaffrey gets hurt this week. Um, you know, w- with that, the whole game can change for him if he misses a few weeks and he's not able to continue to compile numbers and things like that. So uh, Tyreek Hill and McCaffrey probably lead the charge. I definitely, right now, if that award was was given out, it's got to go to Christian McCaffrey, no doubt about it. Next award is going to be Defensive Player of the Year. Okay, you had an interesting call on it. I liked your take. So you want to give me your uh, your Defensive Player of the Year right now? Yeah, I really feel like Miles Garrett, he, you know, he's – Really done a nice job of forcing pressure on the quarterback. Really, he's forced a double team every time he steps on the field. So I really feel like he's the guy to be. I agree with you with Miles Garrett. I think uh, Miles Garrett has just been a huge difference maker this year. That guy is all over the place. He's disrupting games similar to the way that Donald was a couple years back. Miles Garrett leads the way for me. He's my defensive player of the year. I do want to give an honorable mention to T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt's having another big-time year. He's right up there in the league lead for sacks. He's a disruptor. And here's another guy, and, and I'm not mentioning this guy. I don't think he's he's defensive player of the year category yet, but he's a, he's somebody that nobody talks about. And I've been watching him a little bit being in the Bears conference. This Daniel Hunter. This guy is a beast. He's got 15-plus sacks. I was looking at his numbers. He had a season that he missed. He's had three or four seasons of 10-plus sacks. This year, I think he was at 15, 15 and a half last time I checked. The guy's arms, he's got veins popping out of his arms an inch thick. I mean, the guy looks like he's he's bigger, stronger, and faster than he was in previous seasons. And he, I think he's 29 years old. I was looking him up and researching him a little bit. And I think that 
this year's a huge year. Next year could be even bigger. Whatever he's doing to get himself ready to rock, this guy is turning into a beast. Daniel Hunter, check him out for the Vikings if you haven't seen him yet. The guy is phenomenal. Last one we're going to talk about is Comeback Player of the Year. Uh, this one I had to think about pretty – I had to think about for a long time before I was able to come up with my pick. Caden, have you thought about this at all, or do you know who you might like for Comeback Player of the Year? There's a, there's one out there that's kind of the obvious one um, because he didn't really need to do much to be Comeback Player of the Year, but you got any thoughts? Um, I'll be totally honest. I did not really put a lot of thought into this because there's one guy, one guy only I really like, which is – uh, DK Metcalf, you know, I would feel like last season. I mean, he's he has so much talent, but it just kind of seems like um, Eagle hasn't shown it. But this year, he's doing a nice job getting open and really using his talent. It's not a bad call. The, the, the obvious one was Hamlin. Hamlin DeMar, just, Ham- just, he didn't even play. He's played. Yeah, he's played. He's played. I think they said he's played nine Yeah, he jumps offside to lose the game for the Bills. Let's not go there. But anyway, the point being is just for him to have essentially – you know, died on the field and then come back the next year and play. That's a big comeback thing. My pick is actually a Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. They make it to the playoffs. Yeah. Well, this is why it's our two early picks. We don't know for sure. I mean, they could end up seven and ten and be out of it. But as of right now, uh, they're seven and seven. They're right in the mix there in the NFC South. And Baker Mayfield is playing very well. I mean, he was run out of Cleveland. Cleveland, the, the fans there, the people there, like they liked Baker Mayfield. And another guy. What do you mean, run out of it? With the Deshaun Watson deal, they just Baker just got sent packing there. Did he get cut? He was fairly successful there, and I believe he got traded out of town. So I mean, you know, Baker didn't really get a good deal there in Cleveland, and he went over to Tampa. I don't think they were expecting much out of him at Tampa, and he's having a solid year. Yeah, well, Tampa, after they lost Brady, hasn't really had a lot of high expectations. They didn't really do much with Brady that last year. So, I mean, they made yeah, the Brady playoffs. Yeah, Brady was the only they, they still somehow made the playoffs. Well, you know, that was an interesting move what by Brady. They? I'm surprised Brady came back for that second year because the team was basically tailor-made to win when he first came over. I mean, they had the best defense in the league. He was loaded with offensive weapons. And I thought he would have just rode out, you know, into the into the sunset with that with that club. And then things don't always work that way in the NFL. You stick around a little too long, and and things change. But Baker's doing a job there. And the other guy, Stafford. Stafford was hurt last year, and he's come back this year, and he looks like the old Matt Stafford. He loves to zip it around. He's throwing the ball really well. He's got Puka. He's got Cup. He's got he's a lot got of weapons. He's, he's got, got a weapons. And he's yeah, his that running back that Karan is it Karan Williams? I'm not sure how to say his name, but he's um, been phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, so those are those are my two leaders for comeback player of the year, Baker and Stafford. Uh, as of right now, I think if Baker can get the Bucks into the playoffs or possibly win that South Division in the NFC, I think you would see uh, see Baker come through there. All right, so a couple other things. Those are our awards. That's what we got right now. Those are our two early NFL awards. We're going to move on and talk about some other things here. We're going to jump to our NFL Weekly Pick 6. Now, to give you guys an update, since I've been doing the Pick 6 on the show with my brother, with Uncle Clint, with Caden, with Peppy, everybody on, the first week was 3-3, three and three, the second week was 0-6, oh the third week, last week, was 2-4, and four. and by the way, we started 0-4 oh last week. We started 0-4, oh and, and I'm thinking, oh my God, we're 0 for our last 10. We're dead here. If we go 0 oh for 12, that is going to be one heck of a feat, but I have good news here. The good news is is that in my pool, last week was something called the rollover week. 
A rollover week means that nobody won. Nobody went 6-0 and last week. So the money rolls over this week. So if you go 6-0 and this week, the pot is doubled, and we can make something happen here. So, Caden, we're going to talk the games. Tell me what you think, and we could just say pass. We don't want that one and move on. We got Cincinnati favored by 2.5 over Pittsburgh. The game is in Pittsburgh. Any thoughts I'll on that? Pass game? on that one. And I'll pass that one. Yeah. I'm not crazy about that game either. Pittsburgh has been not playing very well, and it just feels like a divisional game where you might see something. You might see Pittsburgh the new at quarterback home. For, uh, Pittsburgh. Get rolling. Yeah, I, mean, they, I think, I think the Bengals are going to win. I just, I just don't. I just don't know. Rudolph is starting. Tomlin always finds ways to get adjustments when uh. uh the Steelers are struggling. I just feel like the Bengals have a lot of confidence going. On. I feel like they're gonna have too much confidence. I think the Steelers, I think the Steelers are gonna win, but I just can't trust that. We can always come back to it. We got Buffalo at the Chargers. Buffalo is favored by eleven and a half points. It's a pretty big number, and yeah, Buff- I'll pass on that. Buffalo is hard to, really hard to stick Buffalo. with. We got Seattle at Tennessee. We got Seattle favored by two and a half. That game is in Tennessee. So Seattle would have to win by three. I'm going to go Tennessee on that one. I like that one. You like Tennessee over Seattle? I don't know if they're going to win, but I, they always find ways to stay in close, stay, stay in striking distance. I'm going to let you make the picks. I have not done very well this year, so I'll let you make them. Colts at Atlanta. Got any thoughts on that one? You got Atlanta favored by a half point no. over the Colts. It's in Atlanta. Uh-uh. No what? Pass it? Yep. I got Houston favored by two and a half at home against the Browns. So it's in Houston. They're favored by two and a half against Cleveland. No C.J. Stroud. I like Cleveland. Cleveland straight up? Yeah. All right, we're taking Cleveland. We got a uh, going with the road team there. We got the Packers at Carolina. The Packers are favored by four and a half in Carolina. Oh, Packers. Packers. I was thinking the same thing. I like the pack. To Only cover. four and a half. I know. I like that line. I'm, I'm in agreement with you there. I'll take the Packers covering four and a half there. I like them winning that game by ten points. I've looked, speaking of that, I've seen, I mean, some of the Bryce Young numbers. Oh, my God. I think one game I looked, just glanced at the stats in, like, the third quarter, and he was, like, six for 19 for 47 yards or something. I mean, he has had a rough rookie season. And and we talked about it on the last pod. The guy just looks small. And I don't know. I think it's going to – he's going to have a tough – because it's one thing to be short. Russell Wilson, Caleb Williams is on the shorter side. It's one thing to be like that. It's another thing to actually be slight. Yeah, he he he's actually slight. So moving on, we got a few picks in the in the books here. We got the Jets favored by three and a half at home against the Commanders. No. Pass? Yeah. I kind of want to pass that one too. (laughs) When you bet the two bad teams, you just don't know what you're gonna get. We got Detroit at Minnesota. Detroit's favored by three and a half. At Minnesota. Detroit's tempting, but gosh, you just don't know what they're going to do Who's on a week-to-week basis. starting for Minnesota? Golf starting? I, I mean, it's uh, uh, Dobbs? Dobbs? No, he's not starting. Did. It's the other guy. Who was the other guy? Um, the, the, the rookie? No, it's not a rookie. You'd have to look it up, but it's not Dobbs. It's uh-huh. the guy that was behind Dobbs. Either way, I, I, I'm leaning Detroit that game, but let's see what what's in the other games first. We got Tampa against the Jags. Tampa's favored by a half a point, so it's basically a pick 'em. Um, in Tampa, they're favored by a half point over the Jaguars. Nah. Pass. We got the Bears favored by four and a half at home Bears. against Arizona. Bears. You're gonna make me pick the Bears. Yeah. 
We could cheer together. Let's do it. All right. Bears covering four and a half. We got Dallas at Miami. Miami's favored by a point and a half in that game. A point and a half over Dallas at I Miami. I like Miami. You like Miami at home over Dallas? You like Dallas losing two in a row? Yeah. Man, that could be a high-scoring game. Goodness. All right. We got the Patriots at Denver, and Denver's favored by six and a half. Patriots. I wouldn't mess with that yeah. game. I got Monday night. We got three Monday nighters. We got the Chiefs favored by ten and a half over Vegas. No, Vegas defense went well. That's a big number too. We got the the Eagles favored by eleven and a half over the Giants at home. I don't like that either. Yeah. We got the Niners favored by five and a half over the Ravens. The Niners are at home. No, I don't like, I don't like any nine of those and games a half? Five and a half. Oh. Niners favored by five and a half. I, I mean, I, if I had to go with a game right now, because we got five of them in the books, I would either go Detroit over the Vikings covering three and a half, or I would go the Niners covering the five and a half at home against Baltimore. Which one you want? Detroit covering three and a half against the Vikings. I like Detroit. Detroit, okay. Here's the picks. We got the Titans at home getting two and a half against Seattle. We got the Browns on the road getting two and a half against Houston. We got the Packers on the road covering four and a half at Carolina. Detroit covering three and a half on the road against the Vikings. The Bears at home covering four and a half against Arizona. And Miami at home covering one and a half against Dallas. Those are the six. Submit. It's in the books. It's a rollover week. If Caden wins, he's not getting any of my money. Just kidding. I will give you some if you actually win it since those are your picks. I like the mix. We got a couple oh. home teams. We got some away teams. We'll see what happens. That's the rollover week. All right. Jumping the pops and flops on the fantasy side. I looked at this briefly. Last week, the Ty Chandler pop, baby. Caden had him on his fantasy team. Woo-woo. Ty Chandler, you know, it's amazing that in the NFL, think, think about this, Caden. This guy's been sitting there behind, what's his name, Madison, the whole year. If you're a casual NFL fan, you're watching that game and you're going, why isn't this Chandler guy getting more touches? You could just see it. You could see the explosiveness. You could see the talent. You knew he had it. He's sitting back. He's sitting back. He's waiting. He gets a shot, and he has an absolutely huge game. I saw it coming. Caden saw it coming. We had him popping last week in fantasy, and he did it. The guy looked fantastic, and it makes me wonder, what are these coaches looking at sometimes to keep a guy like that um, you know, playing behind somebody? So, and my, my flop was T. Higgins. It was a bad flop, but let me say something because what happened in that game actually was the reason that I had him as my flop. And what happened in that game is that he's never open. He's, the guy's not open. The guy caught three or four big time balls where he was completely blanketed by the receiver. The jump ball was thrown up by the kid, by that, the, the kid in Cincinnati who's playing some good football. Jake Browning. Jake Browning's playing some good football over there. And, you know, you're sitting there going, look, if that's the fantasy pop that you're going to get out of T. Higgins, but I, would tell you, bless you, but I would tell you that that's not a consistent pop out of T. Higgins, man. He's just covered. And how often are you going to be able to just throw jump balls to the guy? Uh, but like I said, I, told, I said last week, the guy's got hands of steel, and he can go up and get it. And he made that catch on the goal line this week where he caught it, and on the turnaround, he stuck it out, kind of whipped it around over the goal line. Fantastic play by T. Higgins. So I got to give him his flowers on that. Now moving to this week for me, I like Josh Allen to pop. I'm going to look and see. I looked at the game. Who does he got? Who are they playing? I definitely like Josh Allen here. I just think what's going to happen is, is you're going to see – 
teams start to hone in on Cook a little bit. Cook had an absolutely monstrous week. Uh, they're playing the Chargers. The Bills are getting hot. I think Allen's going to have a huge game. I think he's going to run for 50 or 60 yards. He's going to get a touchdown on the ground, and I think he's going to throw for three touchdowns. I think this is his week. And my flop is on the other side in the same game with Eckler. Uh, I was just seeing what the Bills were doing to Dallas, and these boys were laying the wood, man. They were, they were hitting these guys. They were intimidating. Dak was kind of doing these last-minute slides, and he was getting popped. And these guys came to play. Their defense looked phenomenal. And I think that Eckler's going to have a hard time getting anything going there. So th- those are my pops and flops for the week. Caden, what are you thinking, man? Caden's team is in the consolation bracket, and he's rolling. He's won a couple in a row. He won his first consolation game. His Not team, the punishment. His team was going, man. You had you had Ty Chandler. You had Puka. You had a couple guys. Mixon, Mixon had a good game for you. Wilson, Lawrence had Hopkins. a pretty good game. Yeah, you had some. You had some guys. Oh no, the big one for Caden was he had Las Vegas. D. He had Las Vegas defense. 25 right out of the gate. My pick. So what do you got for the for your pops and flops for this week? I've been deciding this for about a day now. And for my flop, I mean for my pop. You've been deciding this for a day? <laughs> it was a very tough decision. But I'm going to have to go with 2-2 Aqua. For your pop? Yeah. The game's on right now. I know. <laughs> You can't have somebody pop in the right, game right. that's on. Because okay. if we're going to do that, I'm going to pick Puka to pop. Because right. Puka's already rolling. We always do this, by the way, halftime of the Thursday night football game or halftime right, do, of the Bulls um, game. Uh, Devontae, uh, no, never mind. Why don't you just go Puka? Here's Puka's oh, halftime. Yeah. Let me give you his line. Puka's halftime line. Puka's got five catches for 63 yards and a touchdown in the first half. Well, that's not good. That's not good. That's let me put it eleven point three. That's I know, seventeen. I know, I know, like, Sixteen or seventeen point three at the half. So so in other words, you're not I'm prepared. Brandon Ayuk. For your pop? Yep. All right. Who's your flop? You got somebody? Um yeah. Who you got? You're not just gonna think I got, about it randomly. You I gotta got, write um, down a pop and you gotta write down Travis a Travis Kelsey. He's your flop? Yeah. Any reason behind Taylor it? Taylor Swift is not there. <laughs> I will say this about Kelsey. Kelsey look, appears to have lost a step, and I don't know if Swift took it out of him or what, but he uh, he, he he appears to have lost a step. He just looks a little slower. And, again, the guy's getting up there in the numbers. So I think Kelsey's like 34, and, and Kelsey obviously knows how to get open. Phenomenal football player, but he does look a step slower here recently. I hope for his sake that he can get it going here uh, as the season closes out. So those are the pops and flops, and we are moving on. Okay. (laughs) Now, this is Caden's moment because me and Uncle Clint gave it to him, telling him the Bulls stink. (laughs) The Bulls are rolling. The Bulls are seven and three in their last ten. The Bulls are playing right now, so and we'll, get a little, starting we'll, watch. we'll get a little in game. And I have been watching a little yeah. bit with Caden because I've been very interested since Zach hit the you know hit the pines with his injury, and the Bulls are doing a lot of things right. Caden, you can talk about it. I mean, here's my summary on it: the Bulls are moving the ball, their defense is playing well, and they're making shots. And with those three things happening, it just look it's pretty basketball. It's pretty basketball. Kobe is 
is playing like an all-star. And this Bulls team is starting to show like, hey, sometimes if you hang on to your young talent, these guys will start to show out. What do you got to say about it? This is your time and your moment, your team. You've been watching these guys every minute. Go ahead. What do you got? Um, yeah, I'm just really impressed. You know, it just kind of seems like they don't blow it. They, they win games. It, they don't do anything special. They just play good basketball. Even against the Spurs right now, they're winning 77 to 70. 70. They don't blow teams out. I think, you know, they blew the Lakers out, but it was because of, you know. They couldn't miss a shot. Yeah, that, that <laughs> yeah, that. But, that'll blow any team out. But they, they usually they blow teams out when they have big spurts, especially in the second half, but. Um, they win games, and I feel like they've done a really nice job finding ways to win against great teams, especially teams like, you know, Lakers, 76ers. They've done a nice job, especially offensively, to get in the ball, get the ball, um, to everybody, but in the most important times, giving it to our big, our big time players, and they've been performing well. You know, guys like DeMar DeRozan, Kobe White, and they're finding ways, the Bulls are finding ways to move without the ball, even if it's not just those two players. Everyone's finding ways to um move without the ball, good ball movement, trying to help the team in some way, even if it's just a good pass. Everyone's helping the team some way, find that guy open, and they're doing their job. So, you know, like I said, it's it's nothing. It's nothing. Um, it's not something. It's not one guy. You know, what I mean, yeah, it's not one guy. If you look tonight, Caden, just glance at it. They're up ten on the Spurs. It's the uh, fourth quarter, eleven minutes left. So this game's not. This game's not over. But I'm I'm just looking down the points. You got Williams with 11. You got DeRozan with 15. You got Vooch with 12. You got White with 10. You got Caruso with 8. You got Drummond with 12. Uh, DeSunio, um, or however you say his name, he's got 6. Another guy, Carter's got 5. Yeah. I mean, this is a balanced attack, and they had a bal- pretty balanced attack against the Lakers. I eight think they players had, with 10 or more points. Eight players with 10 or more points. I mean, that that is a, is signature of ball movement, and that's something you really weren't seeing when Levine was out there. And I think Levine is a really good player, but he doesn't fit on this team. Bulls may have an opportunity to trade him and get some other pieces, particularly some defensive guys, um, you know, because right now defensively, they really look good. I mean, Williams was even giving LeBron some fits last night, and he's just, uh, well, LeBron fits. He almost went for a triple-double, and he shot over 50%. But still, when he was on LeBron, you could tell he's a big body and he's a tough defender. So they really and but and the way that they shot the ball last night, DeRozan couldn't miss. Kobe's been making big shots basically the last ten games, and the Bulls have played with some good teams. They're now twelve and seventeen on the season, and believe it or not, in the East, there's no reason the Bulls can't sneak into a play-in. And if they do sneak into that, you know, that seven to ten range, they could be a tough team to play. The way that they're gelling right now, maybe they make a move. And, uh, you know, make a trade. They're obviously able to win without Levine, and that makes him uh, that makes him a, a person that could be on the trading block, and they can get some pieces back. So the Bulls are making an interesting run here, and i got to give it to Caden. He's got me a little bit interested. Uh, I know they're 12-17, they're and 17, but they're 7-3 and three in their last 10, and they're rolling, and now they're up 14, just checking the play. Nine minutes and 13. Yeah, they're up 87-73, and again, DeRozan's doing it late here. 7-12 from the field, he's got 17. Yeah, big-time players in crunch time, they step up, but you know, especially with defensive like, defenses, they can't depend, like the Spurs, especially, I mean, not the Spurs, especially um, you know, the, the Bulls have been competing with great teams all, all year, but especially with a guy like Levine, he wants the ball in every big moment, and that's not really the Bulls, um, you know, Bulls strategy. 
You know, you don't, especially, especially in crunch time, even if Levine or, uh, White or Vucevic, if they're scoring, if they're getting the big, um, if they're getting the ball in their hands, it's usually not one pass and a shot. Everyone's still getting the ball in their hands, but the other people are, they're not depending on them, but they know that, um, you need someone, you need someone to step up. They know who, they know who's the guys they, they know. And they'll um, go with the hot hand. If there's yeah. a, the guy with a hot hand is going to get but the, the ball. Also, might be DeRozan, might be Vooch, might be Kobe. Also, yeah, the defense also can't do that because if they do that, you know, you're looking at the court vision. Kobe White and DeMar DeRozan, they're not shoot first. They're not shoot first. They're not just depending on one thing. They know if their shot's not there, they can pass it somebody else. And they'll do, they'll do, um, they'll hold their own. Yeah, they'll make the right play. If you're not from, the Chicago, or if you are from the Chicago area, you got to listen to the Bulls broadcast, man. Stacy King is like, this guy just loves the Bulls, and he's excited about the team, and he, and he he's actually a fun listen. He does this bang, 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 and he does all these different things for the team. and And I got a kick out of him last night because I'm a big LeBron guy, I man. I just can't I can't believe the things he's doing on the floor at almost 39 years old. I think he turns 39 within the next few days here. And every time LeBron got the ball, like while he was moving last night, you just heard Stacey King go, uh oh, like he, uh oh. That's every time LeBron was moving with it. So that was pretty cool. Watching Bron last night, that dude's just still got it. I mean, there was some plays. There's some young guys on that team, Cam Reddish and a few guys out there, where they made some really boneheaded plays in the fourth quarter. Like, I think there was three consecutive possessions where LeBron didn't touch the ball, and he was just standing over there on the three-point line, like almost shrugging his shoulders going, what are you guys doing? I mean, what are you doing? Like, I Basically, he sits the end of the third every game so that LeBron can be fresh for the fourth and try to help the Lakers make a push. Because he kind of tries to be in like that 35 to 38 minute range, unless he's really got a push. You know, you typically, you know, you won't see LeBron get into the 40s anymore unless it's overtime or if he's really, really making a push in, in the postseason or something like that. But what really got me about Bron last night was I saw him have like, I think he had nine assists, but five of them were just unbelievable passes. He threaded the needle once where he drew the double and then threaded the needle to AD. He threw like a left-handed cross-court pass that was about a 60-foot pass that just hit the three-point shooter right in the numbers. He's one of the greatest passers the game has ever seen, and I don't think people talk about it enough. I mean, he's a top five assist guy all time. I think he's fourth in assists all time. He's going to finish his career top three when it's all said and done. And he, he hasn't gotten as much credit as he should for his passing because he does so much on the floor. It's always seven to eight a night. One year he averaged 10. He won an assist title that year. I think that was 2020. But the bottom line is that this dude is doing it all. And when you're only averaging seven assists, people might not talk about you in the same um, you know, language that you're going to talk about, like a Jason Kidd, a John Stockton, a Magic Johnson, people like that. But LeBron's one of the greatest passers the game has ever seen. Phenomenal to see him going at it last night. Sometimes I stay up late and watch the Lakers, but not always. So the fact that he was in town playing the Bulls, that was pretty cool. But the Bullies got the best of them last night, man. And they were – it got into the fourth. I think, what, Caden, the Lakers got it down to like 10 yeah. or 8. And the Bulls just could not miss. DeRozan hit three yeah, or four straight. the Bulls straight. played their best basketball. It was awesome. It just kind of seemed like the Bulls played their best basketball right when the Lakers kind of had that momentum, right when the Lakers had that – you know, kind of feel like, oh, yeah, this is our turning point. We can really make a push. It was neither a big play defensively, defensively – um, a big shot, a big shot by one of our big players, and then a big play defensively. It just kind of seemed like 
the, every time the Lakers, every time the Lakers had that um, turning point that they're usually really good at, especially they got a lot of big bodies that can get into the paint. Um, the Bulls did a really nice job keeping their heads up, not really getting to their heads, and just playing their consistent solid basketball, sticking to their plan. I agree. I agree. So it'll be fun to watch the Bulls. Hopefully they get another win here. I think that'll take them to 8-3 and three in their last 11. We'll, we'll keep you updated on them. They're going to get more mic time with us if the Bulls keep winning games. So, Caden, thanks for sticking with them. Caden's I'll a still true, talk about the ones they lose when we're Caden is a true Chicago fan. And now he is he's all over these Bulls. So now we are moving on. All right, this is my final segment here. This one's going to be pretty much all me unless Caden wants to jump in. But I want to talk about Real Sports on HBO. Real Sports on HBO, this was their final episode. It aired last night, 29 seasons it's been on. And I've been watching this show since I was a kid. As I've gotten older, I've appreciated it more and more. I mean, there hit times where I would rather be watching Real Sports than watching Live Sports. And it's become a staple in my life, and it's something that it's a show that I just always assumed would always be on because of the the sports journalism work that was taking place, which is by far the best sports journalism I've ever seen. The quality product that they put out there, I just encourage anybody that hasn't had a chance to really watch real sports or you know see any of the segments or anything to, to check it out on YouTube if you have HBO you can go back and you can check out previous seasons and things like that really phenomenal you know phenomenal journalism I had to pause the show there for a second as I was rolling live here Caden decides to start throwing a ball off the wall which was a little bit distracting as I give my my final thoughts here on real sports with with Brian Gumble. So anyway, I encourage everybody to take a look, pick your segment. I can tell you over the years I've sat down with my family and watched some of these and you know, we've laughed, we've cried at some of the segments, but the work that they've done. I mean, and even the closing episode I was thinking, how are they going to do this? How can you close this thing out and give it any justice? And they kind of broke it down into these different uh, segments and how they did it of how some of the times they focused on the underdog story or sometimes they focused on money or power and other times and they kind of broke it into these different categories and then each uh, person on the show kind of ran that section and they just found a great way to close it they covered so many of their old segments so even if you don't watch it you should watch their final show to kind of give you an idea what it's about and then like I said if it grabs your interest you can go back and watch any of these stories that they that they did I ended up writing down a couple things that were huge to me in terms of the show and some of the differences that they made they were big on the research on concussions and CTE in the NFL uh, some of the research that they did and journalism that they did there ended up changing the NFL, not only the way that they you know, teach tackling and the, and the way that the game's officiated. They made so many changes going all the way down to the youth level and changing really how that game's played, safety and helmets, all these different things um, was really driven by some of the sports journalism that was done on real sports. Another interesting story was a kid named Marcus Dixon who was uh, – he was put in jail for basically statutory rape, and the story of what he was sentenced to, uh, he had like a sentence of 10 years for what happened, and it was a consensual relationship with a girl and so forth, and it was just an interesting story, and real sports journalism behind that 
actually ended up getting the case was a big part in getting the case retried and getting the guy freed from prison. And Marcus Dixon ended up having a cup of coffee in the NFL. He was coaching for the Super Bowl. He was like an assistant defensive line coach for the Rams back when they won their Super Bowl. And now he's working for the Denver Broncos. So the guy ended up having a major uh, revival story when it looked like he was going to end up spending his years from 18 to 28 in jail. So that was really a wild story. And I just remember watching that one thinking, holy cow, there was racial elements to it. And it was a very deep story. So I would encourage somebody to check that one out. And then the last one for me, this was the most amazing story that I've ever seen. And, and it was uh, a young girl was um, essentially given away by her parents at birth because she was born with no legs. She was adopted in the United States. I think she was either Romanian or Russian. So don't don't quote me on all this because I haven't watched the story in some time. But she was Romanian or Russian. And uh, the girl ends up just being the, the type of, of fighter that, against all odds, put me out on the on the baseball field with no legs, put me out in the gym, on the gymnastics um, setup. Wherever you put me, this girl wanted to be with all the able-bodied kids doing her thing, a very resilient type of child. She ended up being very skilled in, in gymnastics. The interesting thing about this was she then decided at one point to look into her, uh, you know, her lineage and her, her history and who are her real parents and where did she come from. And she ends up being the sister of, uh, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but I believe I am, Dominique Mociano, who was a Olympic, ended up being an Olympic gold medalist for the United States back in, I want to say, the early 90s would have been one of those early 90s Olympics. So think about that story. I mean, the fact that it was just the most unbelievable thing to think about this this girl was given away by her parents. She ends up having this unbelievable skill in gymnastics. She has great parents who adopted her in the United States that encouraged her uh, to, to shoot for the stars. She ends up being this... Uh, this amazing uh, gymnast, like the things this girl was doing without legs, unbelievable, and finds out that her sister is an Olympic gold medalist in gymnastics. You can't make this stuff up, and Real Sports really did a special piece on that. You could find that one if you YouTube it and check that out. So I could go on and on and on. I mean, at one time they were doing a story on wingsuiting, and while HBO was there, the guy in the wingsuit actually hit um, he didn't clear an area he thought he was going to clear, and they ended up helicoptering him out of the area that they did this jump in. And so when they went into extreme sports and they were checking this wingsuiting stuff out when no one had ever ever heard of it, you know they were right there live when this happened. I've seen the journalists go deep into other countries, and then the countries not allow them to be there, and, and they would they would hold them sometimes in jail. I mean they really went deep into their stories. So it's hard for me to say goodbye to that show because it was my go-to. I think it was the third Tuesday of the month on HBO for 29 years. The greatest sports journalism show out there, Bryant Gumbel and his staff. Thank you so much for ever, all the work that went into that. You will be missed. Remember to like us, follow us on Spotify and Apple, wherever you get your guys' pods. I hope that you guys like the show tonight. Just me and Caden will bring some guests back soon. We'll probably try to get one out next week. We're in between. We're going to be in between the Christmas holiday and New Year's, but we should be back with some action, and we are excited about that. And as my final tribute to HBO's Real Sports, 
And that's our show for this evening. Thank you so very much for being with us. And good night.